Well, welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. How's it going? You know, I'm doing really well today. Cool. Yeah, man. Thanks for asking. What are you doing today? I'm uh, I'm going to do a little traveling. Great. Yeah. We'll today see. we're talking... We'll see where it goes. Oh, sorry. I sorry. My bad. No. You go. Just going to say, oh, I'm traveling somewhere, and we'll see where it goes. You, you don't know where you're going? I do. Okay. Yeah. Today we're talking about... Music and how churches have different types of music and why it's all bad. That's going to be what we talk about today. <laughs> why it's all bad? All of it. All of it's bad. Every, every single every, second. Every point of it's bad. Everyone involved, anyone who ever thought it was a good, a good idea, all of it's bad. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, we'll discuss, we'll discuss <laughs> if this is actually a true assessment or not. Okay. Um, first of all, go to Patreon. It's $5. Like and subscribe and click the buttons, not the down thumb. That's how I'm going to say that every time, if that's cool. Yeah. Okay, so why do some churches have hymns and other churches have modern music, which is mostly not as good as regular music, you know, that you would hear anywhere else? Right. Besides church and places where the owner is a Christian? Um, and are there other styles other than those two styles? Because those are the only kind I've ever seen. Okay. So, yeah, you're right. There are hymns and that are traditionally played with an organ or a piano. And there are praise choruses, which really are just short songs that are just repeating a few phrases or a couple of choruses over and over again, mainly written from the 70s through the 90s. And then there's early modern songs from the 90s and the early 2000s. So we're already getting past the fact there's just two genres, right? And then you've got the more modern music with the drums, electric guitars, you know, et cetera. And to be clear, there's been electric guitars and drums since the, I would probably say the 80s in churches, but obviously now it's more of the mainstream. Okay. When you walk into most non-denominational or even denominational churches, but especially non-denominational churches, when you walk in, you're almost expecting that's what you're going to see on stage, mm-hmm. right? Is a keyboard, a guitar, a drums. That's kind of the norm. You're separating I'm s- all of these different styles from like the 90s to now, but they still play... 90s songs at church. <laughs> yeah, they do. Some some places still play 90s songs at church. And a lot of it doesn't sound any different than the modern versions of different Yeah, they, they more they may modernize it a little bit right with right. a little more electric guitar as opposed to in the nineties you didn't have quite as much of that. In the nineties I feel like it was a lot of keyboard or piano driven right and then it kind of shifted to like the acoustic guitar driven mm-hmm. and then now it's you know then it kind of went to the electric guitar driven and now it's all the pads and the synth and all that kind of stuff is driving a lot of our modern worship music see that sounds better maybe i guess but it depends but it's added with everything else it's added with everything else right right it's so okay keep going all right <laughs> Yeah, and so, and I know there's some of the music that you're right. It's just awful, okay? I'm not going to deny that. Mm. Or overly simplistic. But I do think there's actually good music as well. I do. I I just needed to say that. (laughs) 
<laughs> Where? <laughs> I actually think there's some music that... I understand that this is subjective, but right. it really isn't. <laughs> no, this is completely subjective. And I would even say, I think it's actually objective. There's actually some good music out there that are sung congregationally in churches. And, I, you know, again, it gets back to preferential stuff. I like an electric guitar sound. More of a, I grew up as a teenager in the 90s, so I like that alternative sound. You're, you don't find that a lot, that real kind of heavy driven sound, right? Like I'm not pulling into church and finding a lot of bands that I'm like, man, that sounds just like Bush or Stone Temple Pilots. Like doesn't happen very much. So you so, want like ACJC. <laughs> not quite that level Did you hard. see what I did there? I did. You're very... I'm so good at this. <laughs> so, but I but I do think, and I do think there's some good music made. Um, I also, it's, it's interesting because I do like that sound, but I also really like an acoustic guitar type folksy sound. And I do think there are some, there are some bands that do that sound well. But there's also going in other genres like there's are played in church there's also the southern gospel style mm. uh, there's the bluegrass style and then there's the gospel music that's found predominantly in black churches and i actually really do like that sound as well okay. i'm i'm a fan of that sound with the huge chorus yeah, or, the, or, the, or the huge choir yeah yeah and yeah man i think it's incredible it's, I th- yeah i i think there's i think honestly there a lot of music found in predominantly black churches are is probably a little better. That sound is not generally watered down as much in regards to the musicality of it. Mm. And so it's not so simplified. I think that's probably a lot in the mainline churches. A lot of the music is very simplified and has a certain kind of sound to it. But man, and you can find some of the absolute most incredible musicians on the planet walking into a you know a, a black church it's awesome mm. and so I, anyway um i love their sound and so and then i mean and it kind of takes us into a whole other thing but like really depending on where you go in the world you find a sound that's different mm-hmm. so if i'm in india or if i'm in guatemala if i'm in villages or the urban cities of those countries you're going to hear sounds that reflect that and so i think that wherever you go you're going to hear these sounds that are reflective of the countries and the cultures and the musical styles of those locations so no there's not just hymns and there's not just the I think when you say the modern church music, I think you're probably referring to the probably, you know, mostly white mainline right. sound. Okay. And I think there's a whole plethora of sound that's larger than that. So when I say modern church music, I'm talking about stuff that you would hear on like a modern, also the type of stuff that you would hear on a modern church radio station. Right. Which yeah. is. Which is, they play those songs in church, right? Yeah, some songs that are played on this on the radio station, on Christian radio stations, are played in church. Yeah. Yes. Some and, of them are not congregational worship songs. So those songs would not be played in church, but some are. Okay. So where do hymns come from? Yeah, when most people think about hymns, I believe what they're thinking about is hymns that are, or the songs that are found 
in a hymnal or in a hymn book. Right. And so those songs are written by, you know, Martin Luther or Charles Wesley. They're basically songs that were written during and following the Reformation, which began in Europe in 1517. And these songs are reflective of the theological developments that coincided with the birth of the Reformation and other movements within the Protestant church. Mm. So in many ways, these songs allowed the teaching of faith, of Bible, of theology through song. But if we define him as a song or poem of praise to God— then we can actually see hymns all the way back as early as the New Testament. Okay. And the most common ones in the New Testament that most people, I don't know if they even think of them as hymns, but they're probably familiar with them, are hymns that are found in the book of Revelation. There's hymns in the book of Revelation? Mm-hmm. There sure are. So, for example, are in Revelation... dragons in them and stuff? <laughs> no, not with the dragons. Okay. And so... Eyeball creatures? Maybe. I remember those. Yeah. <laughs> The eyeball creatures. Yes, actually, that's where some of them are found, is with the eyeball creatures. But in Revelation chapters 4 and 5, there's several where we see refrains from songs of these angelic beings, these created beings, and sometimes just saints. They're singing, um, you know. Uh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, mm. who was and is and is to come. And so you see actually all through Revelation a lot of these hymns that are found there. But you also see them in the epistles as well. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, for example, in some translations will actually be sectioned out or marked as a hymn. Okay. And that's probably the earliest hymn that we have in regards to finding a song that's kind of embedded within a New Testament writing. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, that one? Mm-mm. No, that's that's one of the ones from Revelation. Oh. Um, this is another one from Philippians chapter 2 that is speaking of Jesus. And so they're, they're kind of like, they're hymns that are based around Christology okay. or theology of Christ. They're speaking to the fact that Christ has come, that he has died, that he rose, that Mm. he ascended. All right. Well, some of those might not be awful. So I'll agree with you that. Okay. Well, thank you that you will say that some of the hymns written in Scripture may not be awful. Right. Right. But the way they're sung are. (laughs) So why aren't the pages in hymnals numbered? I mean, they might be numbered. But right. why, when the person on stage goes, turn to page 132, you don't turn to page 132, because that'll be the wrong song. <laughs> you turn to page, it really annoys me, and uh, it takes me out of church and makes me want to leave. <laughs> wow, okay. Um, <laughs> you might want to check yourself on that last part, but <laughs> just want to leave. Okay. Um but you're, but you're, you're right. Hymns are identified in hymnals by a number, mm. and so people will say, "Turn to him, paid," or they'll say, "That's kind of the weird part, right?" right? They'll almost go say, "Turn to this hymn, mm. page one thirty, right?" Right. But the rea- what they really should say is, "Turn to him mm. one thirty, mm. because if you find one thirty, that's that's the hymn." So you're you're right. We're not looking for page numbers. We're looking for hymn numbers. 
but I'm sorry that annoys you so unbelievably much. Okay, the other part that annoys me is I don't know anything about music at all. Okay. I know what I like that sounds good, but that's it. Okay. So when the hymnstress or the whatever <laughs> is singing and then the hymn is supposed to go to a different part because there's a little symbol. Uh-huh. That I guess is okay to have in the book. Yeah, but there's a little symbol. It's called sheet music. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and it says, "Hey, repeat the, you know, other song from the different part." Mm-hmm. And I don't know that. Right. So, and I'm never going to learn it. I'm just actively <laughs> going to avoid it forever. Right. You're like, I will never yeah. ever learn how That's to annoying. read sheet music. <laughs> I don't care what a coda right. is. Right. I don't even know. I've never heard that word before in my life. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> So what's your issue with it? That I can't sing the song with everybody else because I refuse uh-huh. to learn how to read music. Right. Well, no, and I and I get you. And I, by the way, I don't think you're alone in this. Okay. Okay. I didn't grow up in church either. Or well, let me rephrase it. You grew up in a church that didn't sing hymns, right? Right. And I just didn't grow up in church. Well, they sang hymns. They just added whammy bars. <laughs> So they were they were modernize, yeah. modernizing that hymn, yeah. right? But yeah, but if you're in a traditional church setting and they're singing from a hymnal, you're you're trying to follow along with the with the words, right. and if you can read sheet music, it's fine because you're able to follow along musically how your right. voice should go with it. If you don't know how to read sheet music and you're trying to sing hymns, some hymns are really difficult to sing. And you don't know when to hold out a line, when right. not to hold out a line. You don't know when to jump to something. Like it it can be... Literally all I do is when we're singing the songs, uh-huh. though, especially the ones that I don't know, I'm just looking at the pacing of the words and trying to make any sense of it at all. <laughs> and there is no sense to be had. <laughs> like, I'm trying to like visualize the spacing and know when to start singing right. the next word. And it ne- it, no, it's impossible. I don't know. It can I, I? I get you. Like it, it can feel uncomfortable, right? With, mm. with trying to navigate that, if you're if you just are not familiar with it, it's just such a different style of music than what we're used to. Like we just we just don't naturally like. Where else are we? hearing music that's even similar right. to that. So there's no bearing for it. I almost threw the book through stained glass, baby Jesus. <laughs> well, thank God you didn't do that. So, because <laughs> that just would have been expensive. Um, and so... Point is, are there hymnals that just have the the songs in the entire length of the song written out like regular lyrics so that morons like me that don't know music at all, can pay attention and be able to enjoy myself and not break the church? <laughs> not break the church. Um, you know, we appreciate you not breaking the church. <laughs> There's No, if you're if you're reading from a hymnal, they're all going to look that way. Okay. Yeah, so I'm sorry. You're kind of, you're kind of out of luck. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's just the, it's the, it's the, they, it's kind of seen as like the most efficient way to, to write out a song without it being like, you know, thousands of pages right. thick. That makes sense. Yeah. Why are some hymns 
worthy of me standing and other hymns are not worthy of me standing according to the flow of church service. So it's actually not about one hymn being worthy or not worthy of standing. Okay. It really is just a product of the way the worship service is set up. So when the congregation is asked to sing, when they're asked to stand, that's what you do. So some of this is due also to the fact that there used to be, and a lot of churches used to be choirs. Okay. And the choirs would sing a song. And when the choir was singing, sometimes the congregation would stand and sing with the choir. But other times, the congregation is sitting and listening to the choir. It's so confusing. (laughs) Well, the difference is, one, they're (laughs) participating in the singing, the other they're not. But in a lot of churches now, though, it's kind of like, all right, sit, but we're still, everybody's still singing. Stand, but everybody's still singing. Right. Yeah, and it's, it has nothing to do with, is that hymn worthy of you sitting or standing for it? It's just the way that they're creating a flow of service. I just, yeah. I, w- I want you to be mean about it one week. <laughs> Start yelling at people? Yeah. Not this one! <laughs> Shoot her home. <laughs> So basically, you're just, you want me to be up there and just be like, this hymn does not deserve to be stood for. Basically, if there's going to be such specific, rigid ways to flow through a church service, I want you to be, like, extremely strict about it. Right. So And over the top. <laughs> so not just being direct. Right. Right. You just want me to lay, yeah. lay down the thunder yes. on them. Okay, yeah. got it. I'll see what I can do for you. All right, cool. I've been to churches that think that electric guitars and drums and any form of modern instrument that that isn't the largest piano of all time uh, is satanic and it shouldn't be used ever. And mm-hmm. if you touch them, you will burst into flame. So... <laughs> Why do churches feel like that? And uh, is that true? <laughs> okay. Like, where'd they get that idea from? All right. I've heard of this before, but I've never actually been in a church that believed this. Okay. So for me, I'm going to have to go completely kind of like on hearsay. All right. Like, I do know someone that, and I guess maybe yourself too, that were taught as a child that anything with a rhythm or anything with a beat was of Satan. It, it wasn't necessarily the beat. It was like the actual instruments. Yeah, themselves. Yeah, okay. So, all right. So, first of all, so I'll speak to a few parts of it. First of all, there's nothing in Scripture that would forbid using different types of instruments. Okay. Other than like a piano or a pipe organ, okay? Mm-hmm. So, for example, Psalm 150 is overly and abundantly clear all types of different instruments can be used in worshiping and in in praising God. So in Psalm 150, just in the first like four verses, it speaks about a trumpet, a harp, a lyre, a tambourine. And the, the word tambourine there sometimes is translated as something different, like a timbrel. It's actually a, like a hand drum. And because tambourine now is that thing with all the little symbols in it, right? Yeah, that you kind of yeah that, that you sh- slap that, against that, their yeah, hip. An individual shot yeah. against their hip. Yeah, 
and there's dance, there's strings, there's flute, there's cymbals. Just in this one psalm, we're actually called to praise God using all of these varieties of instruments. So the concept you're referring to about, man, if it's not a piano, if it's not an if it's not a pipe organ, it should not be played in church. That's not a biblical thought. That's not a biblical idea. I think, unfortunately, what happened was that drums and electric guitars all of a sudden became synonymous with rock music. Good music. <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to argue the, value, the the quality of the music sound, okay? Like, yes, like, who wouldn't rather just listen to Jimi Hendrix play guitar? Right. Right, okay? And so, not going to deny that. But I think what happened was it, the lyrics written in those songs put with that musical sound is where it all started causing a conflict for church right. leaders so or individuals in church because there's this classic, what we call classic rock. There's this, this rock and roll sound that involved is a very specific sound with drums and electric guitars and great, love it, love the sound. But then the lyrics were about drugs and sex and everything mm-hmm. else. And so it just, it kind of calls this idea of, well, we're going to make an association between what's being said in the lyrics with the sound. Therefore, this whole sound is evil. That's not at all, I believe, for me, that's not the way we should look at it. Because throughout the centuries, the church has always sounded or the music has in churches have sounded like the music that's in present day culture. Mm. I mean, even some of the hymns that were written were bar tunes. So they used bar tunes and then they put uh, words about God and about, you know, our beliefs in God to that music. So I hope that, I guess I hope that it helps you understand where that thought came from. I'm just saying it's not biblical. Okay. So the thought that music with drums or electric guitars is, or any instrument that's not a piano or a pipe organ, is somehow evil or satanic, that's just not a biblical thought. Okay. Okay. But I do understand how they got there. I just wish they would have thought through it a little more deeply. Mm-hmm. Because there's plenty of songs that's just being played on a piano that you can say, well, those lyrics aren't appropriate for church either. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, we're still using pianos in church. Right. So Okay, so my next question. You oh, just Lord. brought this up. Oh, Lord. About churches taking bar tunes, mm-hmm. putting Jesus lyrics over it, and then calling that music. So <laughs> the modern version of that is taking whatever popular pop song is on pop radio mm-hmm. at the time, rewriting all the words to be Jesus-y. Mm-hmm. And that is the worst thing to do. <laughs> okay. Why is that the worst hymns thing to do? Hymns and regular music, or hymns and, and modern church music that are written to be that way with the, the stuff is way, way better than taking a pop song and then putting Jesus lyrics over it. <laughs> okay, so... You're like, don't ever use the pop songs no. again. Right. Because I've heard the pop song. <laughs> so when I hear you start that in church, I'm going, 
Huh? What are we doing? And then I start singing all the drug sex lyrics in my head while you're trying to make it sound Jesus-y. Okay. And I'm just looking at all the morons that don't know this is a an actual song. Be like, oh, yeah. And it's like, it's like, yeah. So that's what I do in church when you do that. Okay. So wh- why are we doing that? Right. Okay. So does no one understand the the, the connection? The connection, like you want people to come to church who are not Christians, correct? Mm-hmm. Who probably maybe listen to this. They're not listening to Christian music, right? So they're confused as well, and <laughs> okay. think you guys don't know <laughs> what you're doing. What you're doing? Why didn't you make your own music? <laughs> Okay, that's fair. Okay, that's fair. I like. All right, so I'll make it. I'll make a few personal preferential statements. Okay, <laughs> okay, of my own. All right, I agree with you. Like the pop sound is a terrible sound, just in general. Sure. For me. Yes. Okay, it's bad. Right. I mean, it, it's an easy target to say it's objectively bad. I will agree. <laughs> okay. All right, and so I I agree with you that putting words to that sound is uh, I don't enjoy it okay okay but I do think they've obviously they've obviously hit on something here right like because they wouldn't keep they wouldn't keep producing that sound if it wasn't accepted by a broad audience okay is that fair mm-hmm. all right so and because I think with a pop sound, is the the pop and a couple things with the pop sound. Number one is it's not very complex. Like musically, it's not complex. Right. And so it's So why can't you make your own? <laughs> right. Okay. But also because it's not complex, right? It's <clears throat> therefore anyone can play it. Okay. Right. So in other words, and I think a lot of congregational worship music or congregational, you know, music that you're they're singing to is written this way. It's it's written in such a way that whether there's a novice playing the guitar for that congregation, or whether there's this, you know, studio level musician, they can play that music for the congregation to all sing together. So they're using a very generic, you know, musical progression, mm-hmm. right? So so speaking kind of musically, like we're gonna do a a, a one three. Four, two, just repeatedly. Okay. I don't know what that means. That's okay. Okay. Right. So, or all right, let's put it, or I'll change it up. I'm gonna sound like such an <laughs> ignorant <laughs> ass in this episode. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. So, what if, or if, or like, if we just said, all right, we're gonna have someone's gonna play four chords. That's all I'm getting to. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna play four chords. Repeatedly. And you, you're probably not going to have a, a one, three, four, two. That would probably not sound that great in itself. But if you have just four chords just repeating itself. One right? chords in the electric guitar. <laughs> no. One's in the piano. <laughs> no, no, that's kind of chords. Okay. Like, like chords, like piano chords, guitar chords, like a G. All right, we're going to go from a G to a D to an E minor to a C. I know what you're talking about. All right, there we go. I don't know what any of those letters are <laughs> right. or what they refer to. Right, so we're going to go from a G to a D to an E minor to a C. We're going to repeat that over and over and over and over again. 
and maybe we'll get crazy on the bridge and we're going to flip the G and the E minor. And we'll start with the E minor on the bridge to give it a minor feel. Oh. Yeah. And so change it up a little bit. But my point is being is it's all really simple to play. Mm. Okay. And if it's simple to play, then congregationally, it doesn't matter if you're in a smaller church with musicians that may not, you may not have like a, a big pool to pull from in terms of who can you know, play musically in an advanced way. Well, everybody can kind of play these songs. So I think that kind of pops down kind of, in my opinion, connects with that. Okay. It's, it's easier to play. And so, but also obviously pop is, I mean, it's just a big genre and it's like, whether you come in listening to rock usually or country or you, if nothing else, be okay and tolerate that sound. Okay. Well, church needs to stop playing Coldplay songs. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'm not going to lie. It's right. It sounds a lot like that, especially the modern music. No, I mean sound. like actual Coldplay, Coldplay songs. songs. <laughs> right. And just putting Jesus words on top of Jesus it. Jesus words on top of it. Yeah. Uh, it's, I know. It's not good. <laughs> I mean... The music is better, right? But it's not good for the purpose. Okay, I think it's sad that we don't put more time, and effort, energy into creating. Like you know the feel of your church, mm-hmm. and I think okay, maybe I say this. Maybe this is part of it too. In a church, you're going to have people gathered together that do listen to different styles of music. Mm. You get different generations. You got you know you may have different ethnicities. And so they're coming to you, different backgrounds. So they're coming together. And where, like, how are we going to decide the sound for that church? Right. Because you're trying to get a whole bunch of people together. Now, some churches, I will say this, they have like locked in on this is our sound. So this is what we're going to play. So we're going to draw people that are okay with the sound that we have. Mm. But I also think like, so I'm coming in and I prefer alternative grunge sound or classic rock sound. But if I'm sitting next to the person that loves country and then I'm sitting in next and they're sitting next to a person that would prefer R&B, like how do we all get on the same page in regards to what we prefer, quote unquote, for our music in church? And so I do think that's one of the challenges is to create a broad enough, simple enough sound that kind of can be like an umbrella sound that can hold a lot of different preferences all together. Okay. And I do think that's what a lot of them have done. Not all churches do it that way, but a lot have. So why do they play the same songs over and over and over and over? There's songs all the way back to the middle of the Bible, and we listen to the same ones every week at, like, churches that play modern church music. Modern or whatever. Right, right. But, like, there's so many songs now. Uh Uh-huh. Are none of them good? Because that's (laughs) what I would think. But... (laughs) Okay, so... But there's, like, there's billions of years worth of songs (laughs) from right now to when the Bible was written. Okay. Not billions. (laughs) Not billions. All right. Whatever. Millions. (laughs) Couple thousand. (laughs) So why do they play the same songs? And then why, when there's a chorus, we just start playing the chorus over and over and over and over and over and different this time and without the drums this time and soft this time and 
Now we're all screaming, but someone's singing it in the background. And what are we doing? <laughs> wow. Okay. And now there's different lyrics and the singer made up her own lyrics at this point, but it's still the same song. And what, like what's happening? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, all right. So let me hit the, the, the songs selection first. Okay. Before I go okay. to the choruses that go on forever and ever mm-hmm. and ever. So the song selection, man, that's, Completely dependent upon the people who are choosing the songs, right? Right. So they, you know, obviously kind of get into a groove with some songs. And they're like, we're going to play these songs. I don't know how they choose them or why they choose them that way. I'm going to speak for everybody else that's choosing songs. And so I do think there's a sense of we want to sing some songs that are familiar so that everyone connect in with them. But I do agree with you. If you're hearing the same songs week after week after week after week, that does get a little old. If I hear someone say, let's play that one more time, one more time. (laughs) Okay. So getting to your (laughs) chorus and repeating itself over and over and over again. It's such an interesting question to me. So many people are so against that sense of lingering on like one song or one chorus for a while. And I do agree that it can become overkill. So I'm, I'm not I'm not knocking what you're saying. It can become overkill. However, I would also say that for me personally, there's a time and a place of lingering on a song or lingering on a chorus as it's either drawing us into a place of like peace and rest and closeness in God, or it's declaring a truth that maybe the the, the worship leader feels that the Lord is kind of highlighting that, you know, that the Lord wants to wants the people to get a hold of, okay? Okay. So they're repeating this chorus over and over again. All right. And I do think at times they're repeating it too often just for the sake of repeating it, mm-hmm. okay? I, I agree with that. And then I think other times it, it fits the, the sense of the room that we're just going to linger here on this reality. All right. An example of this for me is a song called Waymaker. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. I've but heard it. It, the, the song Waymaker has a chorus in it that became incredibly popular during COVID. It almost became like an anthem for Christians during this period of time. Mm-hmm. And so the lyrics of, of the chorus are, you are Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. My God, that is who you are. And so it's that one oh, I chorus. Thought, I thought you were going to say other things in there, like, don't wear a mask, don't take the vax. <laughs> no, that, those were not in this okay. song. Okay. So you said it became popular during COVID. It, it did because of a declaration of who God is <laughs> had nothing to do with the mask or the vax. Oh, Lord. All right. And so, <laughs> but. That sense of, and, I, and I've been in places, and you're seeing that chorus repeatedly over and over, and it is powerful. Mm. It's like this communal sense of dec- of declaring, this is who God is. He is, he is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is a promise keeper. He is a light in the darkness. God, this is who you are. And so, yeah, it may hit repeat, you know, <laughs> Times 37, okay? So, 
but it for me I just imagine it says that on the sheet <laughs> right like chorus <laughs> times 462 <laughs> now, so I, yeah I get it like I, I understand but I also will say this one of the one of the byproducts of having a song that repeats itself a lot mm. is that it's easier to learn that's true and so if we're all together singing, you, you, you know, if you've heard it a few times, you probably know the song at that point. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a lot of words. Like it's kind of the opposite of hymns in that sense. In hymns, there are a, there are a lot of words because every verse is right. So different. And there can be a lot of words in a hymn. Mm-hmm. And in some songs, in some songs that are sung in congregations, yeah, there's a lot of words in some of those songs, uh, some of the modern songs. But there are quite a bit of songs where you don't have a lot of words, where you do have a chorus that is, you know, like a, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, all right, we got a, a verse with a couple of stanzas, chorus, verse with a couple of stanzas. We're right back into that chorus again. Mm. Well, what it's. And what, then we're back into that chorus. Again. Right. Then we're back into that chorus. And then we're back into that chorus. chorus again. But don't forget the bridge. There's right. always going to be a good bridge nowadays, right? right? And uh, so you hit that bridge and then you're back into the chorus. And so, yeah, you're going to be hitting that chorus a lot. But one of the benefits of that is that you learn that chorus. Mm-hmm. Like I can stand up in front of our church congregation and we can sing the chorus of Here I Am to Worship without any words on a screen. Mm-hmm. Because most people know the words to that chorus. And if you don't, if you hear it twice, you've got the words, right? Same thing for How Great Is Our God. People may not know all the verses to those songs, but they remember those choruses. And so if I can repeat them enough, it's this, it just becomes ingrained in you and you know it. And it does help the congregation to pull together to sing. So there actually are some benefits to it even though it can get into an overkill point. So I've been to churches where they let anybody they want just come up and grab the microphone and tell everybody, they stop the music, sort of. They keep playing the chorus under their breath a little bit. (laughs) But they stop the music and let whoever just say anything they want in the microphone. And usually it's a dream that I really don't care about. (laughs) And it stops the whole thing dead and... All I'm thinking is, hey, we got to sing this chorus another 48 times. So can we not do this and get to that? Because <laughs> football later. and Priorities, Nate. Yeah. Priorities. <laughs> so why do churches let people do that? Okay. All right. And sometimes they get up there and grab the microphone and just sing whatever they want. I'm like, can anybody just do this? Right. And that does happen sometimes. Okay. All right. So if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, I have never seen or heard this before, you're in the majority. So majority of churches do not allow this kind of practice that you're talking about. Okay. All right. It's an, a pretty unusual practice in the sense that again, most churches are not allowing this. However, there's obviously some churches that are, and they allow people to share during the music. So they'll hand them a mic or whatever, and the people can share. Well, they feel the Lord maybe speaking to the congregation mm-hmm. or the Lord wants to speak to the congregation through them. And so they're going to share a scripture, a dream, a prophetic word, a vision, give a tongue and hope for an interpretation. And so, yeah, so this happens. 
And it's actually rooted in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, another tongue, or an interpretation. Everything is to be done for building up. And so it's speaking of this highly participatory church meeting. Mm. Hey, that when you gather together, there's there's going to be people there, and they're going to have hymns to sing. There's gonna, you get there, there's people going to have teachings, revelations, tongues, interpretations, but it's all done for the mutual benefit of the body. Granted, it's very different than what we see in most churches today that have the professionals on stage or the staff, and they're the only ones that are allowed to speak, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty much the norm for most congregations. So what they're talking about here in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it's like an invitation for the congregation to be engaged and actually be part of the service. So they're invited to, when they show up on a, on a Sunday morning in the service, they're showing up with a sense of, the Lord may want to speak through me today with a prophetic word, with a vision, with a dream. Um, and it's a way for people to participate in the service. Now, this does not have to happen during the music time, but for some reason, I really don't know why, but for some reason, it seems that that's when it mostly happens for the churches that do allow this. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I get it. It, like if I'm if I'm an outside person coming in and I've never seen anything like this, if I'm coming from a traditional background or even just a regular non-denominational background, mm-hmm. and I'm walking into this, that seems really strange. That you're just gonna start handing microphones to people and they're gonna start getting up and saying, The Lord is speaking to us today, and he spoke to me through a dream to share with all of you. That's gonna seem odd. Like I get that. What I guess I'm saying is that it shouldn't seem odd because I do believe the Lord wants to speak the way. So I guess I'm actually very open to this type of environment in a church service where people are sharing prophetic words, they're sharing their dreams, those kind of things. Um, And again, is there an etiquette to it? Yeah. Like I don't need every single detail of every single part of the dream and I don't need to know what you were doing three days before the dream, just kind of get to the point. Like, what is the Lord trying to say to it, right? And so I I can get it, kind of get lost in that. But I do think the Lord wants to speak to us. And that's maybe a different understanding too. So I'm talking about the Lord speaking to us. And that language itself may seem different for some people. So if I'm out on the outside coming in and someone stands up and says, the Lord is speaking to us today. Here's a vision he showed me. That's that's going to seem kind of out there. Like, or did I walk into a bunch of mystics, or where am I? Mm. And because mostly we're in a Christian world, we're kind of taught God speaks through his word, and that's kind of like where it stops, or maybe the pastor, right? God speaks through the word. He's speaking through the, the preacher that Sunday morning, and that's kind of where it stops. I really believe that it's more than that, and where the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us through these various gifts that he's given the body of Christ, through the through the prophetic, through tongues, through visions and dreams. And so I believe the Lord wants to speak to us through this. I just think that 
unfortunately, in our larger church culture and society, that's not become a normal part of the service, right? It's it's very structured and it's very kind of programmed and it's very let the professionals or the um, the ones trained to do certain things, they're going to be the ones that will be on the stage or up front and leading. And I'm not saying there needs to be chaos, mm. but I'm saying that there should be a, a participatory experience with the congregation on a Sunday morning or with a gathering that's really not found in church uh, a great deal, but at least here in Corinth, seems to be pretty common in their church. And Paul's not telling them to stop it. Uh, later on, 1 Corinthians 14, he's going to give some guidelines to it. Mm. But he's saying, hey, this, yeah, do this. I guess maybe I'm a little more open to the chaos, quote unquote. So some churches treat worship like it's a concert with lasers and smoke and stuff. You love lasers, don't I know. you? Yes. It's not good. You could go to better concerts. Okay. Right? Why try to do this? Yeah. And what's the thought process behind let's be a concert? Right. Like it's just another form of it being not good. <laughs> right. Like but why this form? Why this form? Yeah. Right. I understand. Yeah. I mean, the church's attempt to be so relevant mm. to the broader culture is is pretty amazing. If the broader culture... You go to concerts, and there's lasers, and there's lights, and there's smoke machines. And that's considered, I guess, the relevant thing mm-hmm. in regards to music. So if you have music, you need those things as well. I guess I'm very anti-anything that makes music less than a wor- than worship. So in, okay. o- in other words, put it this way. If the expectation is for me to come and just watch musicians play and people sing like right just i'm just supposed to watch them and i know some churches that's like their mentality for the music time is just come watch us right you can drink your coffee you can have your pastry you can sit down the whole time we don't really care but watch us i'm with you that's you're not only is it not worship a lot of times it's not good so you're wasting my time right if we come in and we're supposed to be participatory within that scene, in other words, okay, there's the smoke, there's the lasers, there's the lights, and it's it's kind of sounds feels like a concert, but they're encouraging people to worship. Like I I, I get that. Like here's your laser. <laughs> well, I don't know if people are handing out lasers. Okay. Yeah, um, but I get that. Like they're like. It's a style. It's a, we like this. Um, maybe I'm just more simplistic in this way. I don't think that our worship should be a show. Okay. And I'm not against, but I'm also not up here going like we need bad musicians or we need bad songs or whatever. Like, no, like we can have really good musicians mm. and, and playing and it doesn't have to feel like a concert. I think that's maybe what you're getting to is like mm. the feel of it. Like, right. does it feel like worship or does it feel like a concert? Right. And I think that's probably the, the root issue of it. Does it feel like we're being directed toward God or does it feel like we're just there to, you know, like you would at a concert, just sing along with the mm-hmm. songs you know, but we're not really being asked to come and worship. Mm. I think that's the major difference between those two. I think the only thing 
I like about it is that they have hard stops on the end of their songs. Yeah. And give you time to cheer for them. Because right. at least they ended the song. Right. They ended it. Instead of just got tired and we're like, all right, we're done. Is the pastor still in the bathroom? <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's a lot of times. There's One those... more time. <laughs> but you're right. There's a lot of times there's those hard stops and then the people clap. And, mm. Right. And I, and I do wish there would be teaching on engaging people into worship. Like, and I'm I'm not a, I'm not against like you know we're gonna all right you stop and we're clapping that's fine like but it is are we are we engaging in worship or are we engaging in a produced concert right I think there's uh, so I think it's just the mentality of it. Mm-hmm. There are some churches that let people dance all over the place and wave flags and not be near their chair and form mosh pits and punch each other and throw TVs. <laughs> so <laughs> and throw TVs? Where are they getting the TVs? I'm not sure people are actually punching each other. But so but all the first parts of what right, I said. All the point. Yeah. So there's churches that do that and although I have I will say this, I have actually crowd surfed. At a ch- you have? At, yeah, I have. Wow. In a church <laughs> service before. I was like I was like nineteen or twenty and it happened. And the next thing I know, I'm up in the air. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, that just disappoints you <laughs> to the core. Yeah, it happened. Anyway, so what's all that about? <laughs> okay, so all right, maybe not the crowd surfing or the mosh pitting, all that kind of stuff. I, I mean, you know, if you do some ska dancing in the midst of worship, you are liable to punch somebody. Right. So we probably shouldn't do that either. Um, although I've done that before in church too. We won't talk about that. All right. But I mean, like. I know. It's like everybody in the church is worshiping their own God or something. <laughs> okay. Like All someone's right. in the corner just banging their head against the wall. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's someone with flags <laughs> pointed a different direction, waving the flags. And then there's like three people playing hopscotch in the back and... <laughs> like what's happening <laughs> I'm just envisioning like walking into a church and that's the reality like you, well that's how people feel <laughs> you know the group playing hopscotch you got the dude slamming his yeah. head into a wall Crazy, crazy lady running around with a yeah. flag. Oh Lord! All right, with those really light scarves, mm-hmm. just running around the place. Oh yeah, and she's always got the poofiest dress on, right? And yeah. Oh me. Okay, so I would actually say that allowing people to dance, raise hands, clap hands, you know, shouting, singing. You know, playing different instruments and even even waving flags, uh, blowing a shofar, which is a little horn. Yeah, people just bring their own instruments <laughs> and just play them whenever they want. Yeah. yeah, I think I think actually all of that. And this gonna sound crazy, but I think all of that actually is allowing people to adore Jesus in a biblical manner. 
Okay. Because I think the Bible, or not I think, the Bible does allow for all of those expressions in worship. Now, obviously, if you've got people that are causing a massive distraction because of the way that they're doing things, and they're like, they're like hitting people with the flag, or it's very much, you can tell, they're like, look at me kind of thing. Okay, right, I get it. If everyone's a massive distraction, then no one's a massive, <laughs> massive distraction. distraction. Right. It's just worship, bro. It's just it's just worship, and so I now I so I'm actually cool with those expressions of worship. Okay, okay. Now, and I do understand though that if you come from a very traditional or liturgical church, that it may seem like absolute chaos. I get that. If you get the people that are running around with the flags, and and you get and you've got people that are you know dancing and spinning around and it's it may seem chaotic i would say though that it's not chaotic it's allowing people the freedom to actually worship jesus again within biblical parameters but worshiping jesus and so there's nothing in the bible that says we must just stand completely still like statues during church Right? Like, no, that's not actually the case. We can be emotive in our worship. And I think depending on what's going on in someone's season of life, man, they may be a little more emotive than than usual. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. So, yeah, man, I guess I'm like, bring on the chaos. <laughs> I guess that's where I'm at. According to the Bible, mm-hmm. is there a is there a worship style that is supposed to exist at church no 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 not a style or a this is what your worship time should look like there isn't that or is there in my worship time you mean worshiping through music right yes through song Mm -hmm. no we don't have prescriptions in scripture that tell us this is what it needs to look like okay like nowhere in the new testament does it say this is what a worship service looks like? So any of these ways to do it, as long as you're focused on God, is okay. What Scripture does say, okay, in John chapter 4, what Scripture does say is that we are to worship in spirit and in truth. Okay. So in John 4, Jesus tells a Samaritan woman, the people are supposed to worship in spirit and in truth. And so spirit just meaning that we are alive in God. And so we worship in spirit because our spirit is worshiping the Lord. So our spirit is awakened when we're saved. So every individual that is trusting in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, that they believe Jesus is God, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave, and they're putting their hope and their trust in him for salvation their spirits are awakened. Mm. And so because I'm alive spiritually, so therefore when I worship in spirit, it's not just in form, it's the spirit of God in me is awakened to give adoration to God, okay? So there's the that's the worship part, the worshiping in spirit part. So we're talking worship in spirit and in truth. So we're awakened. And then the truth is the truth of who God is, the truth of what God has done, the truth of what is said in Scripture about who he is. 
And so our, ador- our worship, our adoration to God is based upon who he is and what he's done. Mm. Right, so it's not based upon me. It's not based upon my circumstances. It's based upon who God is and what He's done. Now, when I'm coming to worship God, I'm very attuned, obviously, to my circumstances, and so I'm very aware that as I as I am seeing about who He is or what He's done, it's going to connect to what's happening in my own personal life. So that's normal. Mm-hmm. Oh. Absolutely. So people are thinking about themselves the whole time. No. Oh. They're not thinking about themselves the Never whole mind, time. Never mind. I'm not weird. <laughs> they're not thinking about themselves the whole time, There's, but they're thinking about God and in thinking about who God is and what he's done, yes, they're going to also think about their own circumstances. So, so I, I guess when I say no to that, like it was a hard no in regards to no, we're not just focused on me, mm-hmm. but I'm also focused on who God is. Like, So, for example, when I was going through this long chronic illness, there was this one song that I played over and over and over and over again. When you walk into the room and sickness starts to vanish, mm-hmm. every hopeless situation ceases to exist. And that... That phrase, that line right there, when you walk into the room and sickness starts to vanish, every hopeless situation ceases to exist. Every time I get there, it would just hit so deep. Mm. And I'm very aware of my chronic illness. And so that it's hitting so personal. And but yet it's like, but this is who you are. You are the one who can heal. You are the one who can take a seemingly hopeless situation and cause that cause that sense of hopelessness to cease to exist. Mm-hmm. And so, so I'm very aware and attuned to what's going on in my own life as I'm worshiping the God who heals, as I'm worshiping the God who. <laughs> who is a God of hope. Mm. When, we, when we're worshiping in spirit and in truth, and we're making these declarations of, God, this is who you are. God, this is what you've done. Of course, those things are going to connect to our own lives and our own life situations. So what's your favorite worship style, personally? Personally? All right. It's going to sound like a huge cop-out, but there's, like, there's actually a few styles that I like. And you're not going to let me get away with that, are you? No. No, I didn't think so. All right. All right. I really like, I really do enjoy the gospel sound from black churches. Okay. I love that sound. I love it. I do love the guitar, like electric guitar driven, more rock type sound. Mm-hmm. And I know there's not like a lot of bands that are out there that really have that. But there there have been a couple of bands in particular over time that have Hillsong United for a little while was a very electric guitar driven sound. It was a little more rock, had a little, probably a little U2 feel to it because okay. uh, of the dotted eights they used a lot in the songs. So it had a U2 feel to it. And <laughs> I know you're like, what is a dotted eight? But um, then the dotted eighth electric guitar sound they had, it was, it's, which is very U2 sound. And so I loved it. And then there's a, a guy named Jake Hamilton. And Jake Hamilton 
um, must be close to my age because he I, he obviously grew up like a teenager in the '90s, where the alternative and the grunge sound was was mm. present, and some of his songs are very thick with distortion and in just a very thick kind of alternative or grunge sound. Um, so who 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 not Christian did you like in the '90s? Who not Christian did yeah. I like? I love Bush. Okay. I love the sound of Stone Temple Pilots. Okay. Um, I love the sound of, I actually love the sound of Oasis, which is a lot softer than those other two, mm. but, I, but I like their sound a lot. Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, so that's kind of style I like. Okay. All right. And then, uh, of course, I also grew up listening to classic rock in my household because my dad was a big classic rock fan. Okay. So the, you know, the Jimi Hendrix, the, Janis Joplin, the Joe Cochran, all that sound. Okay. Um, and the Doors was a huge, huge sound for us too. So I, so yeah, when I, when I can hear that sound in a worship context, and that sounds kind of crazy, I'm loving it. I'm there for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also really do enjoy just a folksy acoustic guitar sound. Okay. And if if I'm being honest, like probably at the like. My absolute favorite times of worship usually have been just in a small, a lot of times informal gathering where it's just some acoustic guitars and we're just worshiping the Lord together. I really like that just kind of just raw acoustic guitar sound. And I love that kind of a, that folksy kind of acoustic guitar sound. Um, again, as, as weird as a kid of the nineties, I love the grunge and I love the alternative, but then there was also this acoustic guitar sound from, uh, bands like Vigilantes of Love or like early, early Cademan's Call. I love that, love their sound. That's probably my absolute favorite. If I had to choose just one, I could, I could do that. So what's your favorite type of worship style? I don't have one. <laughs> okay. I like electronic dance music okay so that's what i listen to most of the time gotcha and the closest you get to that in church is basically we have a full band here it is Mm -hmm. but there's our guy in the corner with the little synth machine Uh pushes one button and looks at everybody goes (laughs) (laughs) like was that good did i do it And so that's the closest to what I like <laughs> right. music-wise Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, like our styles couldn't be any more different yeah. in preference, right? But I do like similar, I, like I'll listen to similar stuff. Like okay, okay. In the, in the 90s, I would have listened to like Nine Inch Nails. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Corn. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so is, a little bit harder than what I would have yeah. liked. Because Nine Inch Nails was more... They had it had more electronic-y sounding mm-hmm. anyway, and I don't know if I would like worship music if it was harder rock. I don't mm-hmm. think I would because it would it still all sounds like we're trying to do what other people do better. But there's some there's some good musicians in the Christian world too. The problem is this is my problem. The problem is a lot of time with the mixes you don't get to hear like really good guitar players play. What do you mean? Like, so like when they're mixing the sound, a lot okay. of times it doesn't come out. Um, oh. It's not like, it doesn't stand out. You know, okay. it gets kind of covered up. You mean like in a produced 
record or at Mm-mm. church? Like at church. Oh. A lot of times it's kind of just in the background too okay. much. And and so um, but there's but there's also because of the simplicity of a lot of the modern church music, it doesn't give space for the creativity right. of musicians. Because like I know some really, really good musicians that are completely confined in what they can do musically on stage at church because they have to stay within this pattern or style of, of sound. But then you get them outside of that context and they're just unbelievable, mm. you know, and what they can do. And so sometimes it's not just about the musicians. It's about the style that's being asked to be played, which is, I think a lot of this conversation, right. And, <laughs> and, and it was just sad to me. And, and I, can I say this too? That is one thing that, that it, because we, we set like this style, it boxes out people from using creativity. Okay. Because a lot of, and this is maybe where, where we can connect. Like when you listen, all right, when you listen to like Jimi Hendrix play mm-hmm. or Santana, right? And you listen to these guys play guitar and you're like, oh my dear Lord, they can play, Right. And they're just given the space to have and fun. And they're given the space to just play, man. It's yeah. like, you know, like you've ever listened to like um, like Eric Clapton mm. just be able just to let loose on a guitar. Mm. Be, you know, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, these guys can play, right? And there's this full just breadth of creativity that's allowed, right? Or like really good drummers mm-hmm. when they're allowed to just be creative in what they're doing. It's it's amazing. It's incredible, and and what saddens me is I feel like that space of creativity is not given to musicians in the church, and I think some of it is because of a fear of like drawing attention to themselves. Okay, but I but I think in turn what that does is it shuts them out from using that creativity that God has given them, or it's like a special service. Yeah. There we're you like, go. Hey, we're there gonna right. We're gonna let the musicians actually you do play. their thing. Or like, this time. or like, this is the youth service, right? Yeah, I've, I've seen it done <laughs> in that kind of setting too. And yeah, you're right. But I think probably a lot of what we're getting to is like, why, why do, why aren't they creating their own sound? Right. That's good. Mm-hmm. And I would say because they're being told they can't. Okay. And we've bought into this mindset of because most of their practice is. Four chords. Correct. Okay. Yeah, it's like four or five chords. Okay. The, you know, it's and it's just not complex. Okay. All right. I remember hearing one of the um, guitar players for a really well-known worship band, and they asked him like, "What was the difficulty level of the musician musicianship for the songs that he's writing and you know creating the music for?" And they said, "You know, out of one of ten how difficult is it? And he's like, it's a three. And this guy now is a studio musician in Nashville. And I'm not saying he just threw it up through his, through the towel. And it was like, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> but I think it was a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Like I can't take, you're this gifted and you're being told that you cannot bring that creativity fully into a setting, a mm-hmm. music setting. And I, I just think that's so limiting. And so why don't we have, people that are creating music like the music we that we do like that is quote-unquote secular. And I think a lot of it is because of the creativity part. So how would you create a worship service that 
let people be creative, but but the focus was still on God. Yeah, I think is so, that the hard part. I think that's the hard part. Okay, in in one setting, but I, in saying that though, I've been in, I've been in places. I've I have been in places where they have just had a complete freedom to play, mm-hmm. and you have to at some level trust the musicians to know when the right time is. Okay. To be creative. In other words, to know when the right time to play a solo on you know the on, on an electric guitar, for example, or the right time to do a, a complicated movement within the percussion setting, mm-hmm. right? Like I think that you have to give space and breadth for that, but you have to trust the musicians to know the right time. And I think you know, this is where you could end up getting people like, well, just look at me. It's going to be my time here, right? Uh, so I, I get the idea that that can be scary, but I, man, I just think we have these individuals that are gifted. And think about it. If you're a young person and you can just absolutely just play on a piano or play on a guitar or play drum set and you're not given the, you're not given the space to do that, mm. where are you going to go? Right, you just gotta have ugly musicians. <laughs> what do you so mean? that people aren't looking at them? <laughs> just, just dog ugly. Yeah. yeah, that's what we need. Just horrible, or, or just, or just hide all the musicians behind the sheet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, I just think that so that when they're really good, right, at their instrument, you're just praying for them. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. My heart kind of goes toward that, like with young, with young people. You know they want to have an uh, an opportunity to express themselves creatively, create creatively, and they're not given a chance to do that at some places. And mm. so, where else are they going to go? You know, I mean, they're going. And so, in other words, if they can't, if they're not allowed to play that kind of music, be creative, really be expressive. If they're not allowed to do that in the context of church, they're going to end up on drugs. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to say they're going to end up on in drugs. a rock band. In, in a rock band, I'm not. But but instead of playing music with other Christians, they're going to find other musicians they can play with, right? Because it doesn't even have to be just straight like songs that are just like quote unquote worship, mm-hmm. right? Just songs that hold Christian values or beliefs or embedded with a deeper meaning, you know. And so, like, I mean, one of the bands I listened, uh, I listed earlier, Vigilantes of Love. Like, I loved their sound when I was in college, and you know, we'd go to bars and listen to them play. They were a Christian band, and in the sense of they were Christians, mm-hmm. they didn't like promote themselves as like a Christian band. They were just, but they were Christians. They played, they traveled, they released truckload of albums, and just fantastic, you know, um, songs just with depth and with real good meaning and i just i hate the fact that we're we have we have kind of so we have in the modern christian world we have so narrowed what the sound is supposed to be mm-hmm. or what it can be or what it can look like and man i want to blow the doors off of that and say let's let's get creative again so we've lost the ability to be creative so that makes sense yeah which is why it's all bad because no one's being creative yeah, and I'm not saying everything's trash, but it does all. But I will say this: it a lot of it sounds alike. Mm-hmm. Right? Am I right? Yeah, like a lot of it just sounds alike. That's why I said 
like at the beginning, I didn't think that anything I heard in the 90s was any different from what I'm hearing now. Yeah. Because nothing's really changed. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, there's, I mean, you know, yeah, Lord, I lift your name on high sounds a little bit different than break every chain or way maker. Uh, yeah, so they, there's a sound progression that's happened to some degree since the 90s. But at the same time, yeah, a lot of the songs do sound the same mm-hmm. because a lot of them, are, again, are using the same. Not just because it's not just about the progressions of chords. Well, that's part of it. It's the what's being allowed in the intricacy of, of the sound. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the piano players or guitar players or bass players or. Man, and man, where's the flea of Christian music in it for a bass player, right? The you, know, who? You, you know who flea is? The bass player for the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Yes. Dude, it's freaking awesome. Of course right? I knew that. Right. My <laughs> wife's going to be mad at me that I know that. <laughs> and, but like, he's unbelievable. But like, man, bass players literally kind of stand up there and just like, don't, don't. Like just, the, that's the fingers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they're just kind of hitting that bass yeah. note. But man, if you ever see. Why seen... would you even join a band if that's all you did? Because <laughs> that, like in other bands, man, you can play. You know, I, I've been around, again, people who can just, I mean, they, they're, they can, they're unbelievable in playing the bass, right? Mm-hmm. But my point is being is if you got, if, if you have these people that are, are allowed to be creative, allowed to create music, allowed the space to do it, because I don't think it should all just sound the same. Right, because what we've kind of done is created this package of a sound that can be transported to any one church. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm saying is, I think it's great that there's churches and ministries and musicians releasing worship music, putting out albums. That's great, but I don't think the churches that are adopting those songs to play congregationally should have to be confined to just play it the way they first heard it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, no, they should be given the freedom, depending on the musicians they have, to be creative with that. And so, now, if you don't, you just have novice musicians, great. Right. Play it the way it was written, right? But if you have people that are creative enough to create a little, man, go for it. Or singers that can hit different ranges, man, I mean, we're, like, I want to release not just musicians. We're talking a lot about them, the singers. I mean, you've got some singers that can hit some notes and you know do some things and i feel like they're even confined in it sounds like kind of opposite in some ways i feel like of what i've been saying lately in regards to i don't like a production i don't like showiness Mm -hmm. like that kind of thing i don't want to be a concert but i think there's a way to worship the lord that is still allowing people to be creative with the giftings the lord's given them this has been the when i heard this podcast you can find the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Rumble. You can follow updates about the podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Also, Patreon, $5. Like all things. Click all the buttons around the videos and the whatever, just not the down thumb. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Nate Robinson, And you can follow Joseph on Instagram at... Rev Joe T. This has been the When I Heard This Podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.